Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight we had Town Branch Whiskey in the house with James Weber walking us through their great line of Kentucky bourbons. They had their classic bourbon expression to taste with us. Then we tried their single malt, their rye whiskey, and then also we paired their whiskey with their Kentucky Ale, one of my favorite cocktails in the world, a beer and a shot. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Tell your friends if it's something that you love. And please enjoy responsibly. That means no more driving. All right. So now you guys, the, 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 tell me the whole brand story because it's, it's a big story that you guys have to tell. And it's yeah. really interesting because you guys do pot still, bourbon, Without any use of a column still at this point, right? Not, so not yeah, no, not at our um, our distillery in Kentucky now. It's all, also they're all have... Scotland pot stills. They're all pot stills from Scotland that we actually flew over um, at, at our facility in Lexington. And that's really amazing. That's very unique. If you go to do the, the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, they will take you to these beautiful distillery tours. But almost everybody's using a column still. Like Woodford has pot stills. But they're still blending it with a lot of the column still juice, which at their other distillery where they make Old Forester. So the idea of pot still bourbon, though, that is as old as the hills. People mm-hmm. have been making pot still bourbon forever. But as it became more popular and industrialized, people moved away from the use of the col- of the pot still and relied much more heavily on the column still. A lot of them still have pot stills, but they're basically blending the column still distillate with the the pot still. The pot still brings that brassier, oilier, basier flavored bourbons, and that you then kind of um, nuance with your, your calm still distillate. But yeah, so tell us, you guys have a distillery in Ireland as well. Yep. But back it up, like, how did you get into the bourbon game? Like, that is not an easy feat to just like move into Louisville and be like, we're gonna make whiskey, we're gonna compete with the big boys. So, yeah. How did that happen? Yeah, so it's um, it's actually all basically the brainchild of this one amazing man, our owner. Uh, his name is Dr. Pierce Lyons. Uh, so Dr. Pierce Lyons was an Irishman, uh, comes from five generations of Coopers, which are barrel makers. So literally whiskey's in his blood, his DNA. Uh, he got his degree in um, uh, his PhD in yeast biology. He actually helped design the distillery at Jameson in Dublin. Uh, he worked for Guinness. And then he brought all of that yeast science knowledge over to the U.S. in the late 70s. And when he was doing that, I mean, when you're coming over to the U.S. in the 70s and you're trying to take this distilling yeast science knowledge, you're going to go right for Kentucky. You know, it's a lot of distilleries popping up at that time, but also a lot of distilleries that don't really know what they're doing. So he's got the experience when it comes to grain recipe, um, efficiency on everything from uh, from temperature control, your, the whole distilling process, he's very, very knowledgeable on. Um, but then in the eight, like 1980, he actually decided to take his yeast science knowledge and apply it to a whole new industry, which was animal nutrition. So through yeast science and through fermentation, he found that taking, uh, breaking down yeast cells, but also using different variations of fermentation, it allows animals to absorb um, their grain and their food a lot more efficiently. So he actually grew that into a very large company, um, and then we kind of flash forward to 2000, and he acquired the last brewery in Lexington. So it's actually a cool story. His son, Dr. Mark Lyons, uh, was wanting to kind of follow in his father's footsteps, learn the brewing side of the business, 
Um, it's been in his family for a very long time. So he wanted to continue that. And they approached the last brewery in Lexington, and it was Lexington Brewing Company, and uh, just asked if he could do an internship, learn the process, everything like that. And they were like, well, yeah, that sounds great, but we're going out of business. And again, it was the last brewery in Lexington. So Dr. Lyons, uh, they, they said that on a Friday. Dr. Lyons owned it on a Tuesday. So he acquired the brewery, and we started making beer. And it really was just driven out of passion. It was never a business that he um, expected to kind of go the direction that it did. Um, it was very much for his customers, for his friends, for his family, uh, just, just, just basically um, uh, a billionaire's hobby, if that's an okay thing to say, especially in the world of source whiskey. Like, none of our stuff in Kentucky source. He's very passionate about our product, about brewing and about distilling. Um, so in 2000, we opened up our, um, our brewery in Lexington, started brewing beer for about, uh, about six years or so. And, uh, happy coincidence is that we actually ran out of bright tank storage. So, um, we needed to put some burp or some Kentucky ale, which is our most popular beer somewhere. And we had some barrels laying around from Woodford. So we put this beer in those barrels and then we tried it about six to eight weeks later. And we're like, wow, this stuff is amazing. And then that kind of became our brand of Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale, which is definitely our flagship product for our beer side. And after about a year or so of doing this, he was just like, why don't we just do our own distilling? You know, why don't we start with that? And the beautiful thing is, is about him is that he wanted to start with whiskey. So in 2008, we started distilling. We started distilling the two whiskeys on the left, which is our Town Branch Bourbon and our Pierce Lions Reserve, which we'll talk more about. So in 2008, we started distilling that. Once we had matured bourbon in 2012, uh, we were actually added to the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. We're now, we're one of the distilleries, a part of the Bourbon Trail. I like to say we're the only craft distillery um, on the Bourbon Trail, and the reason being is based on the pot stills. I mean, I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, uh, talks about what defines a craft distillery yeah, and what we doesn't. We, we were talking about it earlier, it's, and it's the same way with beer, you know, like how do you define a craft brewery or craft beer? And usually it becomes, it, it talks about production, but I feel as though your column still and pot still can definitely have some, some, some value in that conversation. Um, so in 2012, we opened up our Town Branch Distillery. And then um, uh, last July, we opened up our distillery in Ireland. So our owner always wanted a place to hang his hat in Ireland. He actually bought an old church. And the church itself has such an amazing history. It's been around since the, the late 1600s. Uh, his first memory as a child was actually going to his uncle's funeral at that church. Wow. Yeah. It was decommissioned as a church in the late 60s, became like a lighting store, food market, and we acquired, we bought it about six years ago, and then just have slowly been uh, converting it into our distillery. And then we just opened it up last year, and then after really digging into, because it's an active gravesite, um, digging into the history of the facility. He's actually got nine relatives buried there. Oh, wow. So, so that's kind of the, the, the brief overview of our brewery and distillery and the man who put it all together, Dr. Pierce Lyons. Awesome. Amazing. Can you talk a little bit like, so he's coming from a science background. He obviously knows a lot about yeast. Yep. Do you guys have a specific proprietary yeast that he curated or domesticated just for the purpose of making whiskey or a beer? Absolutely. Yeah. All, all of our yeast is proprietary yeast. Um, 
and Alltech is the biggest yeast provider in the country. You know, I mean, with how much yeast we're putting out with animal, the animal nutrition side of things. And we also did uh, dabble, I think about four years ago, um, with uh, providing yeast to breweries and other distilleries as well. So can you speak to, like, when you know a lot about yeast, what, what, why is your proprietary yeast the yeast that it is? What kind of flavor profile is he going for in the fermentation that then translates to your whiskey? So, so a lot of it started with the beer. Um, and the reason why he kind of went the direction that he was was kind of the opposite of what the craze is right now. You know, a lot of it's very hoppy, you know, very bright, something that's compatible with those kinds of flavors. Um, for us, he, I mean, he's an Irishman. He's used to Bass, Killian's, like those kinds of styles of beer. So he wanted a yeast that could kind of offer those flavors that were compatible with that style of beer. And then working into our whiskeys, um, we, we, we wanted to do something that was a little more unique. When you guys try our bourbons, it's going to be something that is a little different than maybe some of you have had before. Um, and then the Irish whiskey or our single malt whiskey um, on its own is, is definitely one that he felt deserve to kind of have the yeast really shine in some of the esters that come through on it, for sure. So would you describe it like, okay, just to understand, yeast create esters. Esters are what we define as being fruit flavors, all right? So usually when you're having a beer or a whiskey that's got something like apple notes or pineapple notes, those are esters usually created by the yeast fermenting the sugars. Mm -hmm. um, did he have something in mind when he picked out his, his yeast strain for like a certain kind of fruity essence? I mean, esters can also create leather flavors. They can be very earthy. You can actually mm -hmm. get phenolic flavors or burnt flavors from yeast. Yeast that work really hard yeah. will give you sometimes a slight smoky-like flavor without having to use any smoke sure. to any of the grain. It is possible to get a smoky flavor just using a certain yeast strain. Absolutely. Um, I think, uh, well, I know the only one that that was a primary focus on was the single malt. Uh, the single malt was was definitely one where, you know, I mean, I know you tried it earlier and it's in your guys' punch, and I don't want to go into too many flavor profiles of it, but um, once you see it, or once you smell it and taste it especially, uh, that was definitely the one that he wanted to focus on. Uh, the bourbon and the rye, I feel, were, um, were more of our master distiller, Mark Kaufman, uh, more of his creations. Uh, stuff that he felt was a little bit more unique to the market, uh, definitely a little more earthy. Um, but yeah, so earthy is kind of the vibe, and if, with if, the bourbon for sure. For, for the bourbon, and we'll, mm -hmm. we'll talk about flavor notes. I don't want to like yeah. the power of suggestion is very strong. <laughs> Absolutely. So if I People start are talking try about this and be like, like it just tastes like earth, you know, like that's yeah. all I'm getting. Yeah. It's just I, is right. this a glass could, of earth? I could that say I'm strawberry <laughs> bubblicious right now, and then someone's yeah. gonna be like, oh, I really get that oh, strawberry. I always now. throw banana in there. Yeah. I always just throw banana into like everything. They're like, oh, I do get banana. I'm like, there's no banana in there at all. Um, and then before we start sipping this whiskey. Where, where does the name come from? Town Branch, what does that mean? So Town Branch, um, actually a really cool story, and I'm going to grab the bottle for this one because I feel like it tells it a lot better. So the name Town Branch actually has a lot to do with the label itself. So Town Branch, and I'll, I'll definitely pass it around so everybody can see it, but Town Branch is actually, um, when you're talking about a branch, it's actually a, basically a small river. And it's actually uh, what the city of Lexington was founded on. It was the town branch off of the Kentucky River. So if you look at our bottle, it's an old grid map of Lexington. And then there's a blue line running through it. That's the town branch or the town branch river 
off of uh, Kentucky or off of the Kentucky River. It's where we get all of our limestone water from. Uh, mainly runs under the city now. It's not a free flowing river as it used to be, uh, but it still is our main source of water for our uh, for our distillery. And that's really key. The thing that makes bourbon special. A lot of people argue that Kentucky limestone water. Uh, the limestone acts as a filter. It takes the heavy metals out of the water and makes it so it, it's just a really soft, soft um, texture, actually. You know, mm -hmm. it has a lot of effects on the fermentation and the final um, the, the final whiskey itself. Absolutely. Um, so what we have in your glass right now is the bourbon, and we're going to taste the beer after the bourbon, or are we are going to do that now? Do that after. Okay. Yep. So uh, stick your nose in the glass, breathe in gently through your mouth, and yeah, do you get the strawberries? I get rosé. <laughs> rosé, okay, all right, all right. Yeah, share your opinion. The banana comes through strong on it, doesn't it? So Real strong. There's no wrong answers. Everyone's experience is totally subjective. So yeah, just remember that. Remember that too is is whatever comes to your mind because you know, like like Pedro was saying, is that uh, whenever it comes to aromas and flavors, it is very much subjective. You know, I was having this conversation as well earlier. It's you know, everybody's going to smell something a little bit different. I think there's some, with bourbon in general, you're going to have some, because it does have those legal restrictions, you're going to have some of those blanket um, aromas and flavors. But sometimes your, your, your mind just kind of correlates certain smells to certain things um, that maybe, maybe mine doesn't. So I would love to hear what you guys are smelling there. Yeah, you have to remember your, your sense of smell is based on your memory. So your every smell that you can remember has been building up since the time you were born. So it's all about your personal experience. Like I grew up in Oregon where there's two different strains of native blackberries there, you know. So I grew up eating a lot of blackberries. Some Maybe if you grew up in some other part of the United States or some other country even, you didn't really have any familiarity with that. So you're not going to jump to the word blackberry when you yep. smell this whiskey, whereas it might be something that comes very easy to me. Mm -hmm. But again, there's no wrong answers. So yeah. what do you guys smell? Banana bread. Sorry. Banana yeah, bread. Bread. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> but, it's, but it's the baked product. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. A little bubble gum. A what? Bubble gum? Canned candied almond? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so a lot of times with almonds, you usually get this umami, but also like a vanilla-ish kind of aroma, and that that definitely comes through. All right, so, so so I'll talk up. I, I don't know. I was going to talk a little bit about the grains. And yeah, yeah. Talk about does. the okay. grains. Fantastic. So so obviously, uh, how many people in here are very knowledgeable about bourbon, just in regards to what bourbon is? handful some newbies some yeah okay perfect so we can dive into that a little bit um so the the main thing about bourbon is it's uh, majority grain corn so there's actually legal requirements for that label to say bourbon on that label um a lot of people think it has to be made in kentucky that's not true it can be made anywhere in the u.s but uh, uh majority grain corn is definitely going to be that one also has to be a fresh charred oak barrel okay so american oak is 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 what you're looking for first. Uh, and then there's different levels of char. Um, get like a light toasty to uh, like a level four, which is what we use. It's called an alligator char. We feel like it gets a lot more of that caramelized sugar, adds a lot more sweetness to it. You say fresh char. Yeah. You mean you can only use the barrel once? It's, it, it's, it's, it's not used before bourbon. It's virgin. Yeah. So you get, a, when I say fresh right. char, I mean, it's, it's an oak barrel that just got made, right. charred on the inside, and then bourbon. And that's it. You can only use it once for bourbon. Can't reuse it right. for bourbon. Um, then it, then it comes a lot to, um, uh, so made in the U S majority grain corn, and then, uh, you start dabbling a lot into proofs, 
You know, so it can only be distilled to a certain proof, can only go into the barrel at a certain proof, can only go into the bottle at a minimum proof there as well. Um, so with that, with bourbons in general, you can sometimes get a gauge of what you're expecting, but there's also traditionally at least three grains in bourbon that can really vary each bourbon as well. Uh, so with us, we go with 72% uh, corn. So you're looking at at least almost three quarters of that's going to be corn, which is going to give you a lot of that sweet flavor, a um, lot of that uh, caramel toffee flavor comes through on that, especially with that alligator char that we go through. Then you go, uh, we actually go with our second ingredient, which is uh, malt. We go about 15% on malt. So for, for bourbons in general, that's a little bit on the higher side. And what we found is actually got a lot to do with what you were saying is so uh, malt's very important for the fermentation process. The enzymes that we get from the malt, especially with the high malt content that we have, you get this really awesome like rosemary, mint, herbal, earthy kind of aroma and flavor. Then our third grain, and this is usually where it kind of differs between distillery um, outside of amounts, is, uh, is rye and wheat. So you usually have a rye bourbon or a wheated bourbon. Uh, ours is a rye. And what we feel is that um, it complements that high malt content. So your, your spiciness, pepperiness goes really well with that, uh, that herbal kind of aroma and flavor that you're getting. But it also rounds it out. So it's not an overly sweet bourbon, really well balanced. And uh, at 80 proof, it's very, very easy to drink. I definitely get that green note in there. It's got like a, yeah. a verdant smell, like a clover. I smell like clover grass. Like, yeah. Not like hay, like green yeah. clover, you know? Mm -hmm. It's really amazing. So tap some over your tongue. And sometimes when you smell something, it'll shift directions once you get it on your tongue. So allow that surprise to occur. So you, you may think you're identifying bubble gum, and then you tap it over your tongue, and it, it's like really green grass, you know, which are two very different... Yep you know, flavor and, profiles, but and, it's possible that they exist side by side. Yeah, and also, too, it, it, especially, you know, if you're not, a, I'll call myself a professional, but if this is your first whiskey of the day, may not be mine, uh, but if it's your first whiskey, if it's your, if it's your first whiskey of the day, you want to give, you want to give your palate a chance to really warm up to that proof and to that whiskey. So break it into two, three sips minimum before you, and each time you taste it, you're gonna get something else that maybe was a little hidden behind maybe some of that, that ethanol or that, uh, that alcohol coming through. Yeah, stays together really nice all the way I'm through. I'm getting a nice like cinnamon and dark chocolate on the finish. It really changes from the nose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah, nice. I don't think I've ever had a bourbon this fruit board. And you said it was Rye, right? uh, well, no, no, no. I mean, no, it's 13% rye. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's just a rye bourbon okay. versus a weeded bourbon. Well, yeah. something to consider, though, too, is that if, if Pierce is, he's obviously into things Irish. <laughs> so the Irish tradition is very much that easy sipper. Most Irish whiskeys have a very easy front end on the palate, and they're utterly sippable. We Irish, I can speak because I'm Irish. We like to get drunk. We hate being hungover. So the best way to do that is triple distill your whiskey, right? Um, is this we just do double still? Do, this yep. is a double distillation. Yep. yep. And all pot still. No column still here. All pot still. So that's giving you that brassier note. I think that those yep. deep green notes. A little bit more body to it for sure. That's that pot still, I yep. think, you know? It's like old school Irish, but with that yep. sweetness that a bourbon will bring you from that first use charred oak barrel. The caramelized sugar of the white oak tree are going to give you that salted caramel. They're going to give you those, you know, woody notes that most mm -hmm. Irish and Scotch whiskeys don't have. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, traditionally, you don't find first-use barrels on Irish whiskey, so. <laughs> it just yeah. keeps changing on the nose. Every yeah. time I go back and take another, like, yeah. take another nose, and, like, now I'm, like, getting, like, papaya and, like, guava and stuff. Like, it's crazy. Well, now fruit, now fruit, now fruit's on the mind. Now it's just like, bam, 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 bam. What did you guys get? What did you guys get? Woody, Woody, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Anybody absolutely, else? yeah. Oak, Oak is definitely going to come Bree? through on it for sure. Come on, Bree. You got to step up, girl. Come on now. <laughs> What'd you get? We got Bree's our new bar, newest bar jack open play, and so we're, we've got her on a steep learning Hi, Bree. <laughs> Bree, what are you getting as you smell that whiskey? It smells really sweet. I knew you were going to say that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're working on you, love. So Perfect. When you, so what, what I would say to that is that when something smells sweet, really try to isolate what kind of sweetness are you talking about? Absolutely. When you think about it like there's powdered sugar. Yep. There's things like bubble gum that are sweet, but then it, it arcs through. It could be brown sugar. It For could sure. be molasses. Yeah. You know, like what kind of sweetness is it? It could be cotton candy. Yeah. That's such a vague response. And then the same thing with like with with beers. It's like, oh, it tastes hoppy. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, you got to give me more than that. So, yeah. It's... Well, we like to nurture them along. I don't want For sure. to, like, I don't want her to bail on me now. <laughs> Smells sweet. Nailed it. <laughs> Perfect. That's right. Perfect. That's right. Um, so, so it's a little unique, obviously, adding the beer component to this, but it tells our story a lot better. Um, basically, what I'm doing with these uh, first two whiskeys in this beer is taking you on the journey as if you were the barrel itself. And the reason, the way I say that is because Town Branch is where it all starts. The Town <coughs> Branch bourbon, mature that bourbon in there, uh, minimum of five years. Once we dump that, we move it over to our brewery. And then we age this beer in it. So this beer is uh, basically an Irish red aged in those fresh bourbon barrels for a minimum of uh, six to eight weeks. And when it comes to this, six to eight weeks doesn't sound like very long, especially in the world of bourbon barrel aged beers. But we, again, our company is all about efficiency when it comes to everything. Uh, so what we do is we actually store everything in this big, basically a walk-in fridge. Everything's kept at about 40 degrees. Uh, we have anywhere between five to 8,000 barrels on hand at any given time, just for the beer aging. This beer is only aged in fresh bourbon barrels, so once it's done, those barrels move on. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But this one here is really meant to showcase a lot of those bourbon flavors. So those caramels, those toffees, those vanillas, a lot of that earthy notes goes so well with the base of this beer, which is gonna be like basically like a Bass or Killian's type of beer. Um, so yeah, try it out. So, so James, what's the alcohol content on the beer? So the alcohol content on the beer is 8.2% alcohol. Yeah. It's, That's a good Irish ale right it's there. It's crazy right? dangerous, all I can say that. So the beer, especially if you're tasting them side by side, the beer is gonna be a much sweeter and milder flavor profile of what the bourbon is. Uh, just because of the the beer backbone. You know, you're kind of getting some of, with the bourbon, you're tasting a little bit of everything, whereas in the beer, you're getting a lot of those highlights. A lot of those very strong flavors are going to be kind of, I, won't, I don't want to say watered down, but they're definitely going to be um, more balanced and more, like, beer forward, if if that makes sense to you. Yeah, James, absolutely. Well, what can you tell us about red ale? Because I feel like a lot of us are getting, like, a lot of, like, kind of, like, a salinity, kind of, like, a really deep umami, kind of savory note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like it's... Probably not from the barrel, it's from the... Well, a lot, of the, a lot of the base of it is, you know, and this all ties back to, to the owner, Dr. Lyons. I mean, he, being from Ireland, you know, he's not used to these big American IPAs that we've got going on, the, the haze craze that, that everybody's doing right now. Um, he's used to those 
earth, more earthy kind of beers, a little bit more malt forward, but more of like a toasted malt, not like, you know, a Pilsner or a lager, but more so of like, you know, like a Bass or Killian's kind of style where you get like this amber, earthy kind of toasted, uh, toasted malt kind of aroma and flavor. And it just, it, it kind of really fuels into that bourbon so well where you do get this umami kind of bitter, dry, sweet, kind of a little bit of everything kind of dancing on the palate. Um, but is yeah. There, is there rye in the beer? No. No rye in the beer. Mm-hmm. And so you're not using the same beer to make your whiskey out of because it would be possible. You could just make your beer and then make your whiskey out of the beer. Absolutely. But- and, it's, and it's funny you say that is because in Kentucky, it's legal to start your distilling process and your brewing process on the same system. So we actually, because brewing and distilling is very similar once you get like pre-distillation. Um, they're very similar in the process of mashing in, fermentation, the whole nine. Uh, so we actually do everything on the same system. Mash in on the same system. And then at the brewery, once it's ready for fermentation, we actually ship it across through some, t- uh, through some tubes across the street over to our distillery. Can you explain the difference between your distiller's beer and this beer? Well, with this one, obviously, you're not going to get any rye. Um, and then with the beer, like, the boil is where it really kind of separates. Because with beer, you're going to mash in, get a lot of that, um, pretty much soak as much of that grain or that sugar out of the grain as you can. Um, for the beer, once it goes to the boil, that's when you start adding hops. And it's actually a type of hops called um, East Kent Goldings. Um, it's not a, a Native American hop where it's really like high on IBUs, a lot of alpha beta acids, none of that. Uh, it's, it's, it's originally from Europe. Uh, well, let's come around with the next whiskey here. 8.2. So yeah. do you guys like that pairing? Do you like the, uh, the like synthesis oh, there? Chip. So this is the Pierce Lions. Now, how is this different from the, the bourbon, the first expression here? The cool thing about this one is actually it's the first single malt distilled in Kentucky since 1919. So obviously everybody's been on a rye and bourbon craze since uh, actually before Prohibition. Um, but... Uh, Dr. Lyons, again, it kind of ties to what we were talking about with the beer. Coming from that Irish um, Irish heritage, he wanted to make a single malt. You know, it was just kind of something he wanted to do. So uh, so this was the first one that we did. Um, this was the first whiskey that he pitched and just started distilling. We did the town branch the same year. But this was the first one that he wanted to start running on his stills. Uh, so, yeah, so this one is a single malt. I like to say that it's a blend of uh, stylistically. It, it falls into the American single malt. But it's, it's such an interesting category that I feel like it's a blend of like a Scotch and Irish whiskey. And when I say that, I feel as though the body really ties in a lot to an, like a Scotch, a little bit more velvety, a little more fuller body. Whereas the, uh, the notes on the palate are much softer and a little bit more mellow, which I feel t- like definitely appeals more to that Irish whiskey. We age this whiskey in those beer barrels that you guys just had. So when I'm talking about taking you guys on this journey from the barrels, we started off at the bourbon. Once the bourbon's done, we dump those out, fill it up with our Kentucky bourbon barrel ale. Ages for six to eight weeks, dump that out, fill it up with our Irish whiskey. Oh, wow. I keep saying Irish whiskey. It's single malt whiskey, American single malt. But, uh, but yeah, so we fill it up with our single malt whiskey, and that ages for another, at least another six years. And to understand, like, a lot of the American whiskey tradition would have been started by Irish folk and Scottish folk who had For sure. come to America. The difference being that over here we had corn 
And corn is great for making whiskey because you get a ton of alcohol per tonnage. It's a gigantic form of grass. It's a lot easier to harvest mm -hmm. and get more alcohol for less work. You know, grass, you need a lot of grass to make whiskey. Corn, it's big, it's juicy, you know, even though you're using dried grain, but yep. essentially you're getting a lot of bang There's for a lot your more buck. Sugar, yeah. There's a lot more sugar content there. Corn for, just gives you a lot of bang for your sure. buck. And I mean, a lot of people think bourbon is as American as it gets, but it, I mean, bourbon comes from Bourbon, which is French. And in Kentucky, and in that area of Kentucky, you get so much, you, you, there's so much of a, of a French immigrant population that's set up there. And that's kind of how this whole thing got started. They were just distilling with local grains, which tends to be the way that the world works, is they just kind of distill with what's around them. That's right. And they figure it out. Well, and in, in the history of farmers making whiskey on their own farms, it was just meant as a way for them to conserve and, and consolidate their own crops at the end of a season, you know, like no matter what you were growing, if you're going to let it sit out in your field, you weren't able to sell it all. You need to do something with it mm -hmm. or all your work is for nothing. Mm -hmm. So you would make a beer and then a whiskey out of pretty much anything that you had left on your farm. If you had fruit, you'd make some brandy, you know, Absolutely. like if you yeah. had grapes, you'd make some brandy. You know, there's so many different ways to do it, you know, for sure. For sure. So can yeah. you talk again about the maturation of this? It was not like finished. In these beer barrels. No, 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 no. So, so I guess yeah. That that that's a great point. Um, there is is talking about um, is, is finished. So a lot of times you'll see on bottles you, know, you see sherry finished, cognac finished, Madeira finished, um, sherry finished. Um, this one was aged its full lifetime in these barrels. So 100% of it aged in those bourbon barrel ales or bourbon barrel ale barrels for at least six years is what we're looking at. So what I feel as though that does is it really kind of highlights a lot of the yeast which comes through. So you get a lot of, on this one, for me, I get so much of like a Granny Smith apple, nutmeg, honey, but super, super soft and really mellow on the palate. And that ties a lot back to the esters, what we were talking about before, is like we don't, we don't put apples in it. We don't put any of that stuff in it. Just, it's just one of the, uh, the esters that come off from the yeast. So what are you guys getting? As you know, is this single malt American whiskey from Kentucky? <laughs> Just the baseball cards, not the gum. Yeah. Not the gum. So you you like to chew on your baseball cards. I see where this is going, Reese. It's the card. All right, all right. So let's unwrap it. You're saying marzipan. You said chocolate. Dave, what are you getting? I definitely get the nuttiness of the beer back in the whiskey, um, and then the, the aftertaste like. Beautiful. So this one is our Town Branch Rye. And this is probably going to be something new for everybody because it was new for me a few months ago is that this is actually classified as a Virginia style rye. And it's like, what does that mean? Right? So, so what that means Ooh. is that this is a grain build that is uh, uh, associated with uh, the type of rye whiskey that George Washington was originally, originally distilling at Mount Vernon. And that is a low rye whiskey. So the rye content in this is only 55%. So for anybody who doesn't know, when you put a grain on the bottle, it has to be majority grain. A lot of rye is on the market, 90, 95, you know, they're 
they're almost 100% rye. Like they are really high up there. Uh, for us, we wanted something, again, to kind of tie into the well-balanced side of, of all of our other whiskeys. Uh, so we went with a 55% uh, rye grain, 30% corn to back it up. Yep, and then about a 15, and then about a 15% malt to again give it some of those those earthy tones, a little bit of that um, uh, minty rosemary as well as some of this dill that you've got coming through. And as then well. those root beer notes, that yep. like that root, yep. that earthy root yep. thing happening. Yeah, little hints of sarsaparilla, like you were yeah. saying for sure. Really beautiful. Yeah. This is for me for 100 proof. I know that uh, as a whole, as uh, people in my position felt as though the last one was their favorite. This is my personal favorite. Wow. I think this is just such a beautiful whiskey, such an amazing, easy drink and hunter proof that just just finish just finishes beautifully. Wow. For sure. Well, that's yeah, it's, it's exactly. great that you say that because uh, when I always think about, when I judge a whiskey, I always look for those whiskeys that they fool you with their proof. You, you don't notice that you're going for those. That's a good whiskey to me. It's like, Oh wow, you're really beautiful and sexy, and then also you've got some muscle there too, you know? Like, Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I love that. I love to be surprised by how high proof it is. That's that's bang for the buck, and that to me is what I'm looking for in a whiskey. Mm -hmm. You know, I really like that. So with rye whiskey as well, it's it's going to be the the first use barrel, and the higher the proof, it's the more concentrated that you're getting out of the barrel. So what you're getting is uh, the lower the proof, the more cut is what they call it. The more cut it is, it's basically they're just adding water to it. So with bourbon, for example, it has it, it cannot be bottled at anything less than 80. And 80 is where you usually get your highest yield on everything. So a lot of the mass-produced bourbons are going to put it at 80 on the shelf because that's the most bang for their buck. Um, and then the higher the proof to get, the more concentrated color you're going to get, the richer it looks. Um, so at 100 proof, yes, it, it is definitely going to look a little bit darker. Now, I noticed that these have a long linger. All these whiskeys have a great structure. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's a complexity to the fruitiness of them, which yeah. makes me think that those are more different kinds of esters. Mm -hmm. If you guys are following me with this, if you think about a yeast as being like a, a living individual, you know, we do different activities from the time we're a baby to the time that we're an, an elderly person. We have different things that we do. Same is true with yeast. So in the beginning of a yeast life, it will be making different flavors than in the end. Do you dare make a beer in our rye beer? Like oh, we actually have. Uh, yeah, so, um, so with the rye, uh, we actually did a rye barrel IPA. So it was an IPA aged in the rye, or rye IPA aged in rye whiskey barrels. Um, for, for us, I, I feel like it was definitely a little bit more malt forward than what a lot of people are looking for. It's got an amazing bitterness, good like rye uh, spicy finish in there. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it didn't, I feel like just the world of IPAs is just like what's big and bright and juicy. And uh, ours was more malty as well as like more showcasing the rye grain versus really kind of like really hitting the, the nose on the IPA side of things. So how much is it for a bottle of this rye, Reed? That one you're looking at about 60. Yeah, we're going to be, yeah. you know, uh, right around the 60 range. Yeah. Oh, it's not out yet? No, it is. Oh, it is. okay, okay. It's in wide range. Yep, <laughs> yep, it's there. That one's going to be right around the $60 mark. 
But as, as we say, the Whiskey Society is a place where you can come and discover new friends. That's the whole point of why we're here tonight is that you can learn more about your own ability to smell and taste, and you can make some new friends. And those friends could come in a glass. You never know. Um, or they can stand here in yeah, blue they, slacks and brown, sho brown shoes. Like, <laughs> could be both. That's right. As a matter of fact, James is saying that uh, he's going to hang out a little bit. We're going to get ready to do a uh, bar jackalope service back here. But James is going to hang out in the front bar, and if you're really nice, he might buy you a glass of whiskey up there at the front bar. So, yeah, so all of this stuff, not sourced, made at our distillery in Kentucky, uh, but we do have a distillery in Ireland that just opened up last year, and uh, some of the whiskey that we do have there is sourced. But, yeah, I mean, it's just based on what we need at the time, you know, just trying to get as much stuff and get as many products out as we can up until we get our, pro our, our products um, up to that full maturity but as well. It was, I mean, it, you know, I love Irish whiskey, but it, it didn't actually taste like an Irish whiskey. I mean, and I don't say that in a pejorative sense. Sure, um, sure. We, we get a little, we get a, yeah, we get a little bit more creative on those. Um, and I was going to say, if, if you guys have any questions about the Irish whiskey, I can definitely go into that. I don't want to. I don't want to hold anybody up to getting to the bar. Or, but uh, but yeah, no. Uh, our Irish whiskeys. They they we we've got a really nice range. We've got four different whiskeys that have very very distinct kind of expressions to them. Um, and we also have a lot of fun with the the barrels on it. You know, like uh, the the Pierce Original, which is our our um, our youngest. It's a three to five year blend, but we actually age part of it. We do a coffee stout aged in bourbon barrels. Once that beer is done, we ship those barrels overseas. Ireland and we age part of that Irish whiskey in our stout barrels. It's kind of a similar situation to Town Branch. Uh, so Town Branch opened in 2012, but we were distilling at our brewery. So we were distilling at our brewery. We had some pot stills there that we were distilling. And then the same thing happened in, uh, in Ireland. We have a brewery in Northern Ireland. Um, uh, up at, uh, it's called Cumberland Brewing. And we were doing some distilling there of some of our own Irish whiskey. Cheers to that. Yeah. So does anybody have any other questions? Well, this yeah. one's not entirely related to that, but um, when you see a pure whiskey, are they aging in single barrels? I'm sorry? When you see a pure whiskey? Um, I, I would say you have to be a little bit more specific. because Like uh, Hudson's got a... The, the a white whiskey? The white whiskey. Yeah, so the, usually that's just unaged. Um, that could either be white dog. It could either be like their bourbon grain unaged. Okay. Um, it, it's not aged at all. So you're not, it's not that it's, it's aged in stainless steel or anything like that. A lot of times, a lot of these distilleries put out what they call as white dog, um, moonshiny, I guess, you know, kind of like white lightning, but definitely more of those grain recipes that are more of the grain recipes that are designed uh, for their bourbons or rye or things like that. I, I, you may have more info on the Hudson well, on that. Well, the idea behind a white whiskey is you're just trying to like, if, if you're starting a new distillery, especially craft distillers, you're trying to make payroll. You've got employees that are trying to get paid. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you can't make payroll when you're waiting for your whiskey to age for five to seven years. You need to yeah. sell something today. And if you're not doing gin and vodka, yeah. there's got to so be something. That's why white whiskey's <laughs> out on the market is that people are just trying to pay the bill so they can then yeah. wait for their, have enough money to make it to yeah. yeah so it's unaged you yeah. can rest it like you can there's um when whiskey first comes off the still it's it's got kind of a spiky texture you one thing that you know beginners when we get in the whiskey world first time you hand somebody whiskey they're almost always gonna not they're not gonna give you a flavor i like to always ask people for food words but that's not where most people's heads are at most of the time when i ask someone how do you like this whiskey the number one word to come out of their mouth is a texture not a flavor Smooth, okay? Smooth is about when, 
you first come off the still, everything just got broken apart, right? We just, we boiled this beer. We broke apart these molecular chains. We got the water to release itself. And so all those like molecules are really spiky. You let them rest in maybe a glass tank or a steel tank, they'll slowly start to meld back together again. And that'll make for a smoother texture. So you can rest a white whiskey to give it a little bit of a smoother texture. But generally speaking, white whiskey, unless they're filter filtering it through some kind of charcoal filtration to take the color out, there's no age on it. They're just trying to get that whiskey out the door. And, and maybe you'll, you'll buy it. And the thing is that there's a great tradition of white whiskey. People scoff at it now because we have so much great whiskey in the world. But really, 200 years ago, they weren't waiting around for nine years to drink their whiskey. Oh, hell no. <laughs> Nobody was waiting for that at all. They were like, we forgot about that barrel. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. look how dark it is. You know what I mean? It was like, I'm well, dead serious. Well, I'm no, totally I mean, serious. Just, just talking about bourbon, I mean, whenever bourbon originally was made, made up in Kentucky and would, uh, you know, go down the Mississippi, Ohio River, down to New Orleans, I mean, that's not a seven-year trip. I mean, they weren't sitting there waiting for it to come out. And they would just start drinking it immediately. I mean, it's it's something that I feel as though maybe we're a little bit spoiled nowadays, having access to all this stuff. You know, we, we let them put the hard work into it. We can just reap the benefits. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, if a distillery is not putting out something day one, not everybody's in the same sort of position that we were in, where we could distill for four or five years and not have to put anything out. A lot of times when you open up a distillery, like, you're going to see a lot of vodka, a lot of gins coming out, and that's just because they can turn and burn. They got to keep the lights on before the whiskey matures. So, yeah. But there's a great tradition to, like, the reason we have punches was to make white whiskey essentially taste better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's what, I mean, the old-fashioned that we drink now, 200 years ago, the old-fashioned wasn't, you know, being made with uh, an aged whiskey. It was probably being made with a white whiskey. You know, like that's why cocktails were invented because the base spirits weren't that good sometimes. That's the whole reason we created juice and sugar and bitters to put in a drink because we we're trying to make what might have been a bit of a harsh spirit taste better. That's what a cocktail is, you know? Groovy. Awesome. You guys, and let's give it up to Mr. James Weber <laughs> from Town Bridge. And you guys, this is, um, this is, these guys are, Still trying to gain market share. You're essentially helping to launch these guys. They've been out for several months here, but like a lot of people have not heard of them. So tell your friends, buy a bottle for your home bar. I hope you found a new friend tonight, all right? Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember. <laughs> <laughs>